Welcome back to Episode 8 of the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. We thought we would take a little lighter approach to this episode and talk about something in the conversational world and communication, and that is the use of silence and ums. And I thought this is more along Matt's specialty line, so he would start us off. So kick me off with a question. Well, Matt, I often hear from different people that we, at least in America, are very uncomfortable with silence. And I experience this myself, being uncomfortable with silence, and that we use a lot of ums. In fact, here in these conversations, these episodes, I know that Beth here has to delete a lot of the ums that I (laughs) use in these sessions. So it's just a natural part. And I know in your communication major, you discussed that you were specifically trained to delete ums from your conversations, correct? Yeah, deleting ums was a focus in school. I think I've come to learn that there's a difference between speaking professionally where um sound unprofessional and like you're not prepared where in day-to-day conversation if you don't include them you're speaking a different language almost because you start using silence or pauses and that isn't common in our culture so people take it weirdly because you're communicating in a way that they're not used to okay so you're gonna have to explain this a little bit to me because you just talked about the professional you, and the social you. And then you said that if you don't have silence, use ums, like it's an automatic. And then you have to delete the ums, so then aren't you going to have more silence? It's a fun circle, right? So if we start at the end point to talk about silence in mostly Western culture from what I was trained, whether or not that's still true, change over time, because it's been a few years since I was in school. In Western culture, there's a, a common saying that you know you're comfortable with someone when you can be in silence with them. That's always struck me as interesting because you witness so many interactions with people who are close to each other and they're still not comfortable in silence because of a variety of reasons. I don't think there's ever one thing we can point to that says silence is uncomfortable because. And I think... um, There's one of those ums. (laughs) So one thing ums do in communication between two people is it signals to the other person, I'm not done talking yet. And in our culture, we're trained that it's respectful to let the other person finish talking before you interject. So silence is a way of communicating to some degree that I'm done, now it's your turn. Just like anxiety is a internal process and maybe there's some behaviors that are external where people see them, you're taking silence, which is an internal process, and all of a sudden you're using the um to make it externally identifiable to the person. I would use silence, maybe. I'm not sure you're going to understand my silence. My thought is not done. So then we go back inside the brain and you have these networks like your wires that you plug your iPod into or in the sockets. And you have this brain network and you have a pause in that network because you're having a thought that you haven't finished or you're trying to get it through the network and so you can get it out through your mouth since you have that pause and you yourself are probably uncomfortable in silence at least a lot of us in our culture we create something to let both ourselves and the other person know that we are still thinking and have not finished our thought is that correct i mean that's one thing like i said 
communication's too difficult to ever black and white, no matter how much I'd like to black and white things in my life. <laughs> that is very true. If we look at who we're comfortable around, people that are considered outgoing, easy to make friends with, extroverts, they're rarely ever quiet. Right? They're the life of the party. They're, they always have something going on. They're filling the silence that other people are creating. I love to attach myself to those folks. Right? Especially if you're someone not like that, you're no longer responsible for removing the silence in your world. You're able to be in situations that would be uncomfortable for you because you create a lot of silence, which would alienate possible conversations or people feeling uncomfortable around you, especially early on, you know, first time meeting someone. Think about first dates. It's been a while since a lot of us have been on first dates. <laughs> But they're just filled with conversations that just go on tangents, and you don't know how you got talking on these things, but by golly, you weren't going to have silence for 20 seconds to figure out the right thing to say. Well, if it went really well, if you're a really socially anxious person, you might be going on that first date, and there is lots of silence. If I'm really socially anxious, I'm probably going to be really attracted to someone who just talks. And so I'm no longer causing anxiety for them or myself because I never have to worry consciously or subconsciously that there is now silence. Looking for a way to take the focus off of yourself. I think we see in a lot of relationships even that I see with my friend groups and things, it tends to be an extrovert and an introvert. Two extroverts don't often work because they're both competing for talking time. Two introverts have too much silence at the beginning to be comfortable around one another. You often see, I think, an introvert attach themselves to an extrovert because the extrovert pulls them into situations that they want to be in because even most introverts or people who aren't naturally gifted at filling silence, we'll say, want to be in those situations and feel comfortable, but they need to rely on someone else in those situations. You know, that is a very interesting comment because I believe that is what has held true for probably many years, but I believe that's probably changing quite a bit with how social media is going now. If you see a teenage group, they can all be sitting there, nobody's saying a word, and they're all communicating. What are they doing? They're all texting back and forth. They're using their social media. So all of a sudden you have this realm where you can be an introvert or you're socially anxious. A lot of those folks can still type as long as they don't have to talk especially if they're not seeing the other person. And so all of a sudden you have these conversations going on. That continuum where people might be more introverted, sort of pairing up or feeling more comfortable with each other, filling the space, time with the silence, that is probably changing and more of those types of relationships are, are actually occurring now. It certainly presents the opportunity because I don't think from what I've seen, it's not changing the rule, it's just adapting it. So now because of texting, more silence is allowed for the people who, who like to gather their thoughts. It may be that the other person's comfortable as long as they see that you're typing. Maybe the introverts are, well, I'm going to put in a letter so it looks like I'm typing something. Filling the silence without actually filling the silence. Because I, I hear a lot, right? Oh, this person has gone this amount of time without texting me. And especially early on in relationships, you hear a lot of insecurity around the amount of time from response, which is silence. It's just a different type of silence especially if it's outside what the norm has been. I've always heard from this person twice a day, three times a day at these specific times, and all of a sudden it's gone, quote-unquote, silent, because you hear that. 
They've gone silent on me for the past 24 hours. And you're right. That creates a lot of angst. And then you can't have this direct connection sometimes. And so you're waiting and you're holding that phone, <laughs> waiting for that text. Yeah. So that creates that creates a lot of stress. Two things that happen a lot in my experience that are the, the outliers, but we're kind of talking about the outliers, right, is as, a, as an introvert, now I don't just have to turn it on for the two hours I'm on a date. I have to be turned on every day all the time because I'm going to be measured on how often I'm communicating. And the other one is I may be great at texting what happens when I get in person and I'm different, right? So now I have two different identities that I'm dealing with with a person. And you can often see some people withdraw from the in-person connection because they feel like they're so much better and get a better response with a digital. And I think that's what a a lot of the older generations today are concerned with with the younger population is they don't are perceived to not be having those engagements that are building long-term connections in person and can digital really replace what an in-person interaction does especially now with the pandemic and everything going remote which has only greatly enhanced that i mean we do have things like facetime and that but you know as you as i've spoken to people over the past year since the pandemic has started even that has become old you don't have that direct touch you don't see them right in person you know being able to see somebody at the front door from the end of the driveway it does not give you that close interaction there's that lack of touch and that has worn on a lot of people you also have a lot of remote workers who are hoping to at least have in the office interaction because that's where they receive a lot of their person-to-person live interaction they might not have a lot of relationships outside that space so they greatly rely on that to fill that void for them yeah the other big thing that that comes with the digital that causes a lot of problems is context right if you're in person with someone my opinion the amount of misunderstandings are reduced because conversation happens when there's a misunderstanding but when you're digital if i take something the wrong way that might just be it especially if i'm early on in developing a, a relationship or friendship with someone and i haven't i don't have that trust built up to say Maybe I'm taking that the wrong way, or maybe I should ask for clarity. I just go, oh, they say that? Well, I'm not responding. I'm done with that person. I'm moving on. So digital can cause a lot of missed opportunities and missed connections because of the frequency it's happening without the the context or and we can get into body language which you know experts say body language is 90 percent of what you say and if if you're purely typing you take out 90 percent of what you're trying to communicate to someone to assist them in understanding what you're what you're saying so another use of silence is you have this perception machine in your brain that you're constantly analyzing the people, the relationships. Is it going well? Is it not going well? And you put that template that you have in your brain on what you read in emails or texts that you receive from people. And especially if you're early on, you do not have the foundation background with that person. So if you're wondering, is this relationship going to work out? Is it trustworthy? Is it going to be long-lasting? You might be more quick to say, oh my gosh, this is not going to go well, or this is stressful, or what did they just say? Another person's going, I didn't say anything. I just made a little normal comment. But if you can't get in person, it can create a lot of difficulty. So we sort of bring this back. We start off the conversation today talking about the use of silence and ums, and we sort of went off on some tangents uh, related to that. 
But how do you see silence as being useful, but also something that causes stress that somebody might, you know, it causes them issues and they might need some help for it? When silence is not beneficial, I think we've talked a lot about already, and it's when the other person or group or whoever you're communicating with is not expecting silence or is not comfortable in silence. What does silence communicate? Non-professional context, we'll say. If I talk to someone and I don't get a response, they're trying to figure out what they're going to say. So that means, one, they probably didn't agree with what I just said. So now I'm expecting combative response, or they're trying to figure out what they can tell me to persuade me. Silence means we are now on different pages. If silence is communicating more or less, uh, the conversation is going to become a, a back and forth of disagreement. Maybe what we can end on today is in what you're describing and the, the anxieties and wanting someone else to be the one to fill the silence. Not wanting, like at the time, I have to have yeah. somebody to fill the silence. Wanting to needing. But I would say, based on exp- the majority of people want the other person to fill the silence. There's not a plethora of the people who just walk into the room and they are the spotlight. So that means that more than likely, two people communicating are going to want each other to fill the silence. And how do we get to a point that you may just have to understand that because the majority of people that you interact with are going to want you to fill the silence. If it's important for you to have interactions, how do you get yourself to a point that you can fill the silence even if you're not comfortable doing it? That's a good point to end on for everybody to think about. So thank you for staying with us on this episode of the Mental Health Commute, and we look forward to talking with you next time.